0: Victory, looking to build. Barbarous is quick. Is he in behind top Or Stanley, it doesn't matter! Costa Barbarouss! Wow! Yeah! Up like a
1: salmon, a spawning salmon! And man, to again! Oh, he's got he's done it! Unbelievable kick <laughs> from the
2: The sport of
0: football does not care much for storylines, that's for sure. Wellington Phoenix, having not played a home game in so, so long, returned to Wellington in front of 18,000 fans and promptly lost 4-0 to the Central Coast Mariners. Not exactly the fairytale finish to their season that they were looking for, uh, but certainly the Central Coast Mariners showing that they are a force to be reckoned with on their day. And uh, we had plenty of... Interesting storylines and surprises. Uh, we've had so many weird scorelines in the A-League of late. So hard to get a read on this competition, even as it enters the uh, uh, the pointy end of the season. But uh, a spanner thrown in the works by the Asian Champions League as well. We're going to be catching up with Ryan Walters of K-League United, editor-in-chief and host of the K-League United podcast. In a few minutes to chat about the Asian Champions League, he's going to join us live from Bangkok I'm Josh Parrish. I've got Jason Goldsmith
1: here with me. And Jason, what did you make of the events over in New Zealand? Hello, Josh. Um, it was kind of disappointing. I, think the comment, I heard the commentary say they were party poopers, the Mariners, and they were a little bit. Because if you, if you think about it, the Phoenix played during the week in Sydney against Perth Glory and had a win, 1-0 win. So their form line was looking good coming into going home they played that game in front of 89 people. So 89 fans came out in the rain. It was pretty bad conditions. And, the, you know, two teams aren't from Sydney. So they were playing against the Glory, who, you know, we know are quite terrible. But then they went home. And there's the third largest A-League crowd for the season, 18,000 people. And it was just a – it looked like a really, really great event for the people of, of Wellington, the people of New Zealand, to get back behind the Phoenix. And then it was over pretty good. And, and even – and Kololo's initial celebrations, where he plugged his ears, in sort of it summed it up for the the Phoenix, and they were called the party poopers. After that, you know. Well, I think the Mariners are the party. I don't think they're the party poopers. They're they good fun to watch this season. They've been great fun to watch this season. Um, they four 0 is a great result for them, and it puts them in pretty good pretty good standing. And they come into where are they now? They're eighth on the ladder, mm-hmm. um, a couple of games in hand above teams above them as well. So um, we want them to storm into the into the final six calculations and, and they're going quite well.
0: Are Wellington really a finals team? I know they're fifth or sixth now um, as the live ladder stands with the uh, game in uh, progress in Tasmania, of course, uh, but they've got a negative 15, negative 14 goal difference. I mean, it just doesn't seem right to me that they're in the finals
1: mix. Uh, look, there there's this, <laughs> this that much inconsistency. That's what we do know. I mean, at the moment... I think I read um, one of Joey Lynch's articles. They said there's basically three teams out of the running at the moment and they're, they're sort of plodding around. Um, and that that soon might be might be another one, might be four. So the inconsistencies there, you've got those middle-tiered sides that can still – I mean, as we know, you know, final six out of 12 teams are going to reward mediocrity at some stage. So, yeah. I, I don't think Wellington will make a bit of a dent in it, but it's fantastic. They're at the home and they're back in uh, New Zealand again this week. Uh, this weekend coming, they're playing in Auckland at yes. Eden Park. So against the Wanderers. So against might, Mark Rodan. <laughs> <laughs> it nice. could be a really, really bad homecoming if they cop a. Maybe that's a loss why they moved, to Redan. Moved, moved it away from Wellington <laughs> for that very reason, that very famous picture <laughs> that they've got of him. Um, yeah, hopefully that goes well for them. And um, the other thing, too, I guess our man, um, Jason Cummings, scored and looked quite well in Perth. Um, did quite well during the week as well for for the Mariners. And uh, Arnie's talking about him.
0: He's on the radar, is he? What, what has Arnie said?
1: He, Arnie came out and said, "Yes, we're we're watching him closely. He's in calculations." But I mean, you'd probably say that about anyone that you throw mm. up for him. But um, well, he's in the mix. You'd be worried if Arnie wasn't
0: watching a striker eligible for the soccer as closely <laughs> he's actually scoring goals and playing regularly, and he's fit.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you know what I mean. Well, like, he's fit it, now. He wasn't when he got here. No, let's be honest. But he it. got fit pretty quick. He did, and. But The thing is, he's going to work well. I mean, this depends. He'll work well with another in a pairing. What he's doing at the moment, because he's, I think he's assisting as much as he's scoring at the moment, and he's and he's missing shots as well. So, like, he's he's getting the ball in the right positions at the right time and, and having a good crack. So, you know, he's being watched closely. Whether or not that results in him making the squad, it's the feel-good story that we want and we need. That's a story that we need this year, I think.
0: Is this Mariners team better than the Stadge team? Do you think? Because I, I, I think they've got a little bit more to them. I think they've got more strings to their bow. It's, it's,
1: I think they're, I think the foreign players, the foreign signings have made the difference. Sure. They're, still, they're still playing the kids, right? So you still look at Kai Rolls, you look at Daniel Hall. Um, yeah, they're, they're still playing those younger players yep. that, that are coming through, which is what the Mariners were initially known for and what we want them to keep doing is producing those, those players that go on to have you know, national team selection. But the foreigners have made the difference.
0: That's true. The the likes of I mean Muresh has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh obviously Urenya and uh, the Cumdog He's not well, he's attended. not a
1: foreigner, unfortunately. We could a cl- classing his strike. I guess passport. so, yeah, yeah. yeah, true. But Urenya and working with um with Cummings has been great. So and and during the week, so prior to their, their four nil smashing of of the Phoenix, they uh they came from two 0 down with ten two nil down with ten men to knock off the wanderers during the week. So um that was a pretty good result um hall scoring in the 95th minute to, again to get for them to earn a point so the mariners still sort of in calculations there that's a good sort of comeback story for them
0: yeah 100% i mean Wellington, obviously uh, a tough way to announce yourself back to the New Zealand public and try and keep those crowds and that interest up. Obviously, there's this kind of artificial interest in Phoenix at the moment because mm-hmm. it's the novelty of actually seeing your team play in person when you've been denied that. Um, and it's not a good way to, to reinforce that, obviously, coming out and, and losing 4-0. Um, but I do think this team without Clayton Lewis and, uh, and Alex Roofer in the middle of the park is a little bit rudderless. And... The volatility that we're seeing in their results is perhaps a, a uh, upshot of not having a proper midfield in, to be able to absorb pressure, to be able to control games and see out uh, games and actually maintain possession. They, their games ca- tend to be quite chaotic yep. um, and up and down. And you look at the XG for this match, which I think it was 1.4 to 1.7. You know, The Mariners just were much more clinical in front yep. of goal. Uh, so it's not like they're... You know, totally being outplayed in games, but for me, the the lack of midfield quality and leadership just leaves them a bit vulnerable to score lines like this, where goals get piled on really quick, and they don't have that structure.
1: Yeah, and you look at the and their goalkeeper's been outstanding. So Ollie Sale's been had one of the better years going around. So he had um, mm. he's actually kept them he's in. Probably a been the second best keeper in the league well, uh, behind Beerus. Yeah, behind Burghetti. they're both on display. But yeah, he's probably kept them in the game. Uh, for a lot of a lot of this a lot of games, a lot of times this season. Um, you know, and again we talk about I guess the inconsistency there, but we want to work out the, the Phoenix and, and also the glory have had to spend so much time on the east coast of Australia rather than at home to do this. And there's two different ways to have um, mm. to come out of it. And we look at how the Phoenix have traveled. They've now got some glorious homecoming games with big crowds, a party atmosphere. I've never been to a game at the Cake Thin, but I've been to Wellington. I would love to go to a game there. Just to, and when they win would be an amazing atmosphere to go. Um, and you contrast that with the Glory, who've also had pretty much the similar terms of season in terms of being displaced. And um, they've been woeful. I mean, the, the mm. 6-0 loss um, on the weekend to Western United.
0: Just well, yeah, let's talk about the Glory. I mean, Ruben Zadkiewicz came out and pretty much savaged his senior players. Uh, he he did. Uh, I didn't
1: think they had any senior players. That's what Tony yeah. Sage told us last week, they don't, they're all kids.
0: Well, you know, but the, the players who I don't know quite. Well, who uh, he was Reddy, referring Liam, to.
1: probably Liam Reddy's the only one that's not. Yeah, he's not the most, most senior player
0: in the in the league. He's, he's been in around the, forever. In the country, yeah. <laughs> he's. I think he's the only uh, ex NSL player in, in the. I think there's three. I think
1: Alex Wilkinson. Did, oh, okay, yeah, all right. And yep. there's one, there's one more which Andrew Howard about to tell us. But yeah, I think absolutely. There's, there's, I'm sure we'll, we'll get yeah.
0: corrected, but uh, he's he's one of a few remaining anyway. But um, you yeah, know, going down six-one to uh, to Newcastle, obviously, and then 6-0, and 6-0 against nil West-
1: and, 6-0 and they, lo- and they missed the penalty too. Western United mm. actually missed the pen and to start off the before the rot set in, mm. so it, it could have been even worse. I, I can even say that it could have been worse.
0: Yeah, I he was I'm guess talking about players who weren't in the squad um for, for this match um earlier in the season, you know, they, they've just checked out. Uh, but there's a degree of self-preservation with mm-hmm. Ruben Zadkovic saying this because if this was genuinely a side that he'd assembled, he'd never get an A-League coaching job again. Does but he, does circumstances. he Yeah,
1: but does he have the job for next year or is he just the stopgap at the moment? I'm
0: not sure. I mean, he doesn't seem to be endearing himself to the club hierarchy with the way he's acting in in these presses. I, I like that he came out and showed a bit of passion and a bit yeah. of intensity and not just giving stock standard answers and trying to gaslight the media asking the questions. You know, uh, we see that a lot in the A-League that you're you, looking to give as bland a possible answer or pretend like everything's fine. Um, which it's clearly not. Um, Tony Sage, we talked about him last week, t- coming out and calling the rusted on fans who still care, who still give a crap keyboard warriors, which, um, you know, is less than ideal. Uh, this this side was assembled uh, with a bunch of 30-somethings as the key points in the team. Yeah, And now they're turning around surprised that they're all injured. It just makes no sense to me. Like, it's it's a harsh... Season in Australia, the pitches are hard. It's summer mm-hmm. campaign. There's a lot of travel involved. I mean, nobody told Daniel Sturridge apparently, but there's a lot four of hours flying around. It's kind of a, a long yeah. away trip, and, you know, especially when COVID hits, uh, you're away from home a lot. So, like, if, if you're going to sign a whole bunch of 30-somethings, don't be surprised when they spend a lot of time in the treatment room. And it seems as if the changes are already happening. We've seen the coach go... Uh, without any fanfare whatsoever, Terry McFlynn already has a new job. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's gone. He he left in April. Yeah. Um, they just didn't tell anybody. So I, I guess there will be a change over there, but I'm, I'm not sure what this club really wants to be, what their aim is for next season. Are they kind of trying to develop youth or are they now throwing them in and expecting the world of them uh, when they haven't been given opportunities earlier and the squad hasn't been built with them in
1: mind? So three games to go, it looks like. So they've got Adelaide, mm. Adelaide away and two games at home. And it's just, um, yeah, they couldn't end quick enough for them, really, because it just hasn't been the ideal run for them. But Interesting, if Ruben Zatchvich gets the, sorry, um, gets the job next year, what does mm. he do? Like they, they've thrown all the kids in there now. Do we have to get rid of all of the old players that they, they, th- they thought would be the, the answer for them? Yeah, I Change guess
0: there has to be a big clean out there. Um, and I
1: think then Glory fans are like saying, well, Castro was the old guy that they just didn't give a contract to. Like he would be holding it together for them right now, wouldn't Potentially. he? Yeah. Potentially.
0: Yeah. I don't know where his head's at and where, whether he had the motivation to come back. But, you know, uh, he, he showed during the campaign last season that he was a little worried about the pandemic and mm. he didn't feel uh, that he wanted to put himself through, I guess, the trials and tribulations that players have, have to and why would you when you you know Diego Castro's age and you've earned everything that you need to earn and achieved everything that you wanted to achieve in football like it's it's hard to say you know come back again but the fact that he was so unceremoniously replaced by Daniel Sturridge without much fanfare whatsoever it's
1: you know or even asking the fans I guess Brandon O'Neill was probably going to be their their feel-good story which hasn't happened either for various reasons so yeah, it's um they they're coming in the worst season they're going to end up with a wooden spoon. Never
0: never been wooden spooners before in their entire history. Yeah, um, even in the NSL. So
1: that's it. Can't get relegated, so play the kids, and you can't complain when you get flogged six nil. Yeah,
0: this is uh yeah this is this is hard times for, for Perth Glory. I, I wonder whether a change in ownership is coming. I mean Tony Sage keeps talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um maybe this is the, the last straw. Yeah, long yeah. Out,
1: yeah, it might be overdue for them to get a bit of a, a bit of a shake up.
0: Yeah, potentially. I and, mean, you know, I, I, I struggle to feel sorry for Tony Sage. Like, he goes on and on about all the money he's lost. Well, I mean, you know, he's also earned a lot more money than any of us can ever dream of. <laughs> so I, I struggle to feel a lot of sympathy for him um, in, this, in this situation. Um, but uh, let's talk about Sydney FC, who uh, got a rap on the knuckles from the governing body, coincidentally, managed by their own current CEO uh, for feeling an extended bench with too few under 23 Australian players on
1: it. And this retrospectively was found mm. out by other one, clubs. Other clubs dobbed them in because they were doing their own research. And we
0: would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for the meddling meddling kids so, that we didn't
1: play. Yeah, yeah. so some, some I, I don't know who the club was. You might know who the club no. was. No. So someone's doing their research on Sydney FC, obviously playing them in the coming weeks and has looked through their Plus lineups sports. and their their, bench, their benches and the rest of it and they haven't, so who's who's not checking it? Who from the APL is actually not checking it to start off with? Isn't that like a box ticking exercise when they submit the team sheets in every every mm, week? Apparently not. So these games, how long ago were the games?
0: <laughs> they were a couple of months
1: ago. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, how yeah. could this get? How could this slip through? This is like basic administration.
0: It really is. It's, it's just it's shambolic.
1: Like, this is the team sheet. This Sydney FC have finished. All right, bang bang bang. Oh, there's no one to twenty threes. The thing is, they away. happen
0: to lose these games. So the fact that they're going down as a three nil loss. Is almost of no consequence. It's just goal difference. That's so,
1: all that matters. That's it. So the goal difference is now in the negatives because of because of that. But they're not going to make the finals the way things are tracking for Sydney FC anyway. So I, I I don't think it's Sydney's fault. They didn't get if they did it twice, right? They've got away with it and they do it again. And who's not checking it? It's just astounding.
0: It also points out the absurdity of Danny Townsend being in charge of the APL whilst he's. Still, the Sydney FC CEO. Yeah. Yes, that changeover is going to happen in the off season, but that never should have been. Like, it's such a massive conflict of interest. It is. It is, but. Um, it, it should never have been allowed to happen. Sydney FC should have had a new CEO in charge. They shouldn't have been given this grace period. He never should have been able to do both jobs, just as Graham Arnold should never have been Ollie Ruse and Soccer Ruse coach at the same time. Like he,
1: That might come down. All of that comes down to money and the most appropriate person to run the thing. Whilst, whilst, we, whilst we're kicking the administration, mm. let's talk about the fixturing. So there's a game on right now in Tasmania, a 5 p.m. kickoff of the two latest expansion teams, so Western United playing home games there, as we know. Five o'clock. Now, I understand Tuesday is a public holiday or the Easter Tuesday is a public holiday in Tasmania, but who's the night? Who's taking the kids to see a game at five o'clock on the last day of a public holiday? So it just confuses me that there was no games on Easter Monday. Mm. There was one game on Easter Sunday and they're checking this game on now. And wouldn't you have it leading into the Asian Champions League tonight? Because Sydney FC are playing at nine o'clock. So if you want people to be a bit of a lead up, you've got two hours off. They might forget the ACL's on.
0: Yeah, it's it's silly, isn't it? Like, and also the fact that Asian Champions League, you know, is on ten play, Paramount. Yep. It's it's a bit less than ideal. We have been impressed with the production values. Yeah, though, yeah. Uh,
1: let's just say um, we have um, been quite. We've been a little critical this season about Paramount Plus's highlights package, but I can tell you they've got the highlights for the the ACL, and I went through a lot of it today, and they're doing a very good job there. We think it's from the AFC themselves, but... I would guess that this is the AFC providing it to all of the broadcasters,
0: which is good from the AFC to actually have a bit more centralised media um, and basically just, if you want it done well, do it yourself. Have a standardised package with really fancy graphics and everything and and make it easy make it easy for the host broadcasters that pick up the rights that's what you want to do and i think that's the process of learning that's gone on at afc there they're presenting themselves better internationally now they the competition feels like less of an afterthought yeah. and less of uh an exercise in covering up all the sponsorship hoardings, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> park that's right. or whatever, yes. and all the brand names on the fire extinguishers, and more like a serious football competition.
1: And, and, and the way they're doing it now, tournament style, actually might work. So what have they got? Oh, we'll, we'll talk about it a bit later. But there's like six games in 17 days for the mm. for the Australian teams, which is which is good. But the the highlights packages are great. So you've got the full replay on Paramount Plus, um, but you've also got something in between. Like and the the highlights packages aren't just broken into three minutes. If like the, mm. the this the Melbourne City game was three nil, it's twelve minutes. The Sydney FC game was nil all, and it's actually, it actually was about seven or eight minutes. So they actually did it quite well. because They're only showing you what you want to see. One thing I did like, which we might talk about, was um um Trent Bahagia was that was how they pronounced his <laughs> name for Sydney FC. So that, that's one one thing. Ah, that, uh, it's that, tough that, for these international. Look, I'm I'm guilty of it all, probably once a week too. But yes, it's.
0: Yeah, far be it for me to go through the uh, BG Pathum United starting lineup <laughs> yeah, and, and nail all those. But
1: yeah, it is—it
0: is always a little bit amusing. Yeah, it's, it's
1: right. It's just, it still makes you laugh, I and mean, people will be laughing at us. I'm sure doing the same thing.
0: Yeah, I, I always enjoyed when Adam Taggart was going through that prolific spell in in, in Korea in Korea, yeah. and it was always Tagatte. Yeah, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> just, I, I, it is actually. I really genuinely enjoyed that. You know, it feels like you're watching a different competition when you hear the foreign commentary, and you know that you hear them. It's actually a completely different style. It's like multiple callers going nuts at the same. Like, it's kind of like. Watching a YouTube watch along, or yeah, everyone going nuts. And yeah, it was, it, it's not that restrained kind of you know English Barry Davies thing where you're like, yeah. fine goal. It's just literally three dudes in the same booth going crazy screaming. and screaming. We need
1: Adam Taggart back, don't we? need him in some fun uh, in Japan. We need you know what? Soccer-oos.
0: Speaking of Korea, I think yeah. we've got our guest joining us in the waiting room. So we're going to go to a break. And on the other side, K League United's Ryan Walters is going to join us to talk Asian Champions League. <laughs> Victory, looking to build. Barbarusis is quick. Is he in behind top four, Stanley? It doesn't matter. Costa Barbarusis!
1: Wow! Yeah! yeah! Up like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick! <laughs> oh, from
0: Welcome back to the Oz Football Hour here on FNR Football Nation Radio. I'm Josh Parrish. I've got Jason Goldsmith here with me, and joining us live from Bangkok, K League United's Ryan Walters. Ryan, welcome back to FNR.
2: Thanks for having me. Always fun. Always fun.
0: Asian Champions League time. I think it's our favourite time of the year. We get to expand our horizons, get out of our little bubbles, especially our little Australian football bubble. Correct. It's nice, yeah. nice to get some fresh air outside of that sometimes. Uh, Ryan, you're there covering the competition. Tell us, what's the atmosphere like being so far in, in Thailand?
2: Um, it's been pretty good. The the game on Friday night, BG's opener that I think there were 6,000 fans in. There is limited capacity right now, but fans are allowed in. So that's been a massive difference. I mean, covering this tournament for a couple of years now in, in empty stadiums hasn't mm. been the best. Um Junju last year for the for the quarterfinals and the semifinals, there were some fans allowed in, but uh, we all know what happened with Jumbuk and Ulsan there. So there was one good game, and then the Jumbuk fans weren't coming back to watch Ulsan Pohong. So uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, last night, there was a mighty 263, I think, at the the late game, watching city the cities, I should say, mm-hmm. Melbourne and United go at each other. Uh, but it's it's been good. Um, obviously, the rain came down last night the rain is going to be a factor the heat was a factor on friday so uh, all those things considered i still think it's, it's been pretty good
1: there was great atmosphere the pathum united melbourne city game too with the six thousand crowd that you mentioned to ryan so mm-hmm. um that obviously adding a lot more uh a lot more to it for you and what other games have you yeah. been to uh
2: i've only I'm, I'm here following my beloved Jenham Dragons while working tournaments, so I'm only going to the games here in Bangkok. I was tempted to go out to Buriram because they've got two groups out there, um, but eh, I just decided to stay here, so I've been going to all the games in Pathantani, um, and they, they've all been good. Like you say, the atmosphere there, the BG fans are really bringing the noise when they are there. Even last night, I think it was two or 3,000 there last night, and they were still good and loud for the BG game, which didn't Please me as a Jonham Dragons fan, but uh, it's been nice having at least one home team, you know, because if we're going to do these hubs and and it makes sense to do them right now, it is nice having at least one team that's really going to get some folks behind him as opposed to 2020 when it was in Qatar. Again, understandable reasons, but it just wasn't anywhere near as fun.
0: Jonham uh, is in an interesting situation uh, this year. Fans in Australia probably don't pay too much attention to Korean football. Can you tell us why are Jonham Dragons playing in the Asian Champions League right now?
2: Yeah, well, because we're the best team in Asia. Yeah, but of course. Other, yeah. other than that, um, for those that don't know, the mighty Jonam Dragons, it's like a tribe called Quest. You have to use the full name there. Ah, the yes. mighty Jonham Dragons uh, are here. A K-League 2 team, a second division team, are here in Bangkok playing in ACL because they won the FA Cup last year. Um, and that's actually something that manager Jung Kung Jun brought up last night uh, in the post-match press conference when asked, like, do you feel like you belong here? And he said, look, we, we beat four K-League 1 teams to win the FA Cup last year. And one of them at the time were the defending ACL champions. Olsan Hyundai, when they went out in the semifinals of the FA Cup last year to the mighty Jeonnam Dragons, they were defending ACL champs. So, I mean, this is a team that uh, they were giant killers in the FA Cup. K-League 2 has been a little bit more of a struggle this year, but I think uh, that's been largely because the season started so, so early. And uh, they've they've had a split focus. But that first game against United City, they went well. Last night, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it.
0: <laughs> Let's get into that. Uh, what has been your impression of that group involving Melbourne City, BG Patham and United, and, and United City so far? Uh, Melbourne City have started with a win and a draw. I think most Australian fans would be happy with that, considering the poor record of Australian teams in the competition uh, in recent seasons. Uh, what, what, what have you made of that group?
2: I love this group. Uh, I, I think. You know, you and I talked about it a little bit when you were on the K League United podcast and and we were previewing these matches. I think this is the closest group. I think this is one of the more interesting groups because it doesn't have a Chinese youth team in it getting whooped 8-0. So, I mean, to me, this is what this competition should be about, where you've got so-called small teams like United City who are really holding their own. I thought they looked really good Friday night. Um, I expected them to set up a little bit more defensively against Jenham and compact, but they went out and they attacked the game. And I think that surprised Jenham on Friday. I thought they had a really strong first half last night against Melbourne. They weren't able to, to carry it through, but I think this is a really not evenly matched group. I do think that the favorites have to be Melbourne city and BG, but I do think on the whole in the East, I think this is the most balanced group. And so I've, I've really been enjoying the football so far. And again, I've been pleasantly surprised with how well United City have played, considering the lack of competitive matches they've had in the past year.
1: Yeah, I noticed that uh, the Melbourne City played a lot of the younger players and gave a few of their experienced players a rest in that in that win. Now, mm-hmm. it's a, a quirk of the a little quirk in the fixture. So they're playing six games in 17 days, but the the next two games for Melbourne City are both against Johnham Dragons. Mm-hmm. So, um, what do you expect to see that in in terms of tactics and, and team lists and that kind of thing? Because it's interesting, and I think it happens in. in some of the other groups as well, that they're doubling up and playing um, the same opposition. Do you know a reason for that? Or is that just the quirk of the, the fixture?
2: I think it's just one of those weird things where it's like, well, when you have a 14 group, you just snake the the draw. That's what we did when it was home and away. So we'll yeah. do it now when we're playing all these games in two weeks. So I think it was just a like, let's just keep the format the same. Um it, it works for me personally, because I'm hoping to get into the stands as a fan for the United city Jenham game at the end of the tournament, when let's face it, that'll be for last place. But, um, I think going into these games, I think it actually suits Jenham quite well. I think last night playing against BG, I think they looked a little bit more comfortable conceding possession. I, I think that's one of the reasons they struggled so much Friday night against United city. Oh, pass it by in case. You can't hear that one. Anyway. Um, I think when they had to attack, they weren't sure what to do with it. And you could see that in the first 30 minutes, they were, they kind of were looking around like, what, what, what are we supposed to do with this much of the ball? Uh, and I so I think that worked out a little bit better for them against uh, BG last night. And I expect them to set up the same against Melbourne. I They'll probably call it a three, four, three. It'll play more like a five, two, three, or a five, three, two, the way that they're going to set up defensively. There'll almost always be five at the back in the first half. I think, the, the strategy in all of these games, and, and I think it's come out in the first two especially, it looks like it's just get to halftime no-nil. And, and they've done that in two of the games. You know, it was job done in two of the games. And so I, I don't expect them to break away from that at all. And it, it's really going to come down to that depth. And I just – I don't think Jonham can match the depth because, like you say, Melbourne trotted out to not, – not a reserve 11 or a second 11 last night, but there was a lot of rotation, and they still look really good. Uh, and, and I worry that uh, Junham can't quite keep up with that depth, especially with our leading scorer last year, uh, Jonathan Balotelli. He's out injured right now. So that's, that's really affecting things.
1: Is there much talk about um, Melbourne City's ownership being the City Football Group? Because it has been an ambition of them since they were purchased that they will make the Asian Champions League and this is their first time. Has there been much talk around them being sort of uh, one of the clubs of the football group?
2: There actually hasn't been. I think this is one of the things that, you know, obviously been spending time with quite a few folks that are knowledgeable of Asian football or, or around this tournament. And I think it's one of those things where we've all been kind of expecting Melbourne City to make their debut in this tournament for a while. And now that they're here, it's not so surprising. I mean, they, they are a well-run club. They, they've got a really good manager. Um, and, and I think they've, they've largely been judged based on the merits and what they're doing on the field i actually haven't heard anybody bring up city football group yet okay
0: well when we were doing that preview pod- I, will, I will now i will now <laughs> money it's all about the money no, just kidding. Well, yeah. um, I, when we were doing the preview pod ryan i, I pinpointed florin Berengay as their most important player and of course he promptly went and did his hamstring in the derby before they left uh so yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about that midfield i have to say against <laughs> teams that are going to sit deep against them you know, I, I'm not sure how you felt about their performance against BG Patham. Um, you know, Andrew Naboot obviously scored a fantastic goal, but I've been sure arguing did. for for a long time that, you know, his his salary means that their front line is a little bit I, I imbalanced and the fact that they're having to shoehorn Marco Tullio playing in an attacking midfield role rather than his natural position on the wing, you know, leaves them a little bit shorthanded if their creative fulcrum does goes does go down. Do you think they are tournament contenders genuinely or is it just that they're looking good in what's a fairly weak group in the whole?
2: I mean, look, they should have lost Friday. Mm. It, it, I forgot who it was for BG, but if he could have hit the entire open net <laughs> exactly. that was there for him, then that's a 2-1 result and, and BG's got six points right now, which is honestly where they should be. And, and BG's the one that have, have impressed me the most. I, I like the way that they play. They look extremely well-organized. And it is one of those things where, for Melbourne, it's kind of tough to tell where they are with things. I think, again, I I don't think they played poorly on Friday, but I do think BG deserved to win that game. And there's no question it deserved to win last night. That was Melbourne City. So I think these Juna matches will be a good way to gauge where they are with things right now, because it'll be the same opponent in consistent matches, and then you know, that last match is going to be a really fun one. I do think that that's going to be for first place in the group, which could be huge because as we know, not all of the second place teams get through. Mm -hmm. So I, I, they've, the schedule really worked out for them in this regard where they had that really tough first game. And I think a draw was a great result for them in that regard. And then you go out and hopefully you get four wins in a row and then you come back and you face BG again. Um, I, I do think the Dragons are going to make it tough for them to score, though. I, I think it's going to be an extremely defensive performance from Jonham on Thursday night, so we'll see how they can break that down. I think that'll be really telling.
0: Extremely defensive teams against Melbourne City tend to make, make you shudder, to be honest. They, they thrive in open space, and when it's uh, <laughs> less than available, it, they can be hard to watch, but uh, speaking of games that uh, were a little hard to watch, uh, John Book nil, <laughs> Sydney FC nil. Uh, I mean, great result for Sydney FC. I have to say, on paper, sure. getting a draw against one of the strongest teams in Korea, the dominant force in in Korea football, is is actually a, a very creditable result given their inconsistent middling form in the, in the A League this season.
2: Yeah, uh, that was a game. Yeah it, it happened. Happened. Yep. yeah, it happened. Yeah, It's was 90 uh, minutes, the
0: balls kicked around, and uh, at the end, everyone went home.
2: <laughs> the, yes, and luckily some of us got to go to bed once the coverage was done. <laughs> um, that was not a pretty game by any stretch of the imagination, but like you say, uh, I don't think Sydney cares. I and mean, why would they? Because that's a great way to start this group, uh, to get a point against Jumbuck. I've got to say, a jumbook that was rounding into form in K-League as well, they're not in the lead, as we're used to them being all year. Jumbuck started really slow, uh, but they won three in a row in the league. They looked like they were rounding into form. And so to to keep a clean sheet against a team that was finding form, it was a really good result from Sydney. And again, much like we were just talking about with Melbourne City, I think that the schedules worked out really well for them as well, where they got that Jumbuck game out of the way early. They got a point out of it. And now you go into the rest of the group and you see what you can get. So I think Sydney's set up well, and I know that it hasn't been the domestic season that they would want, but boy, what a nice feather in the cap it would be to get out of this group for them.
1: And the next opponent uh, in a couple of hours, actually, uh, Hongan Lai. Can you tell us a little bit about them? They took um, Yokohama 2-1. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll say that they got a goal in that one. That one went down as an own goal, but I, I, I don't think it was undeserved uh, on, on the base of play. Uh, Win Kong Phong is the Vietnamese number 10, as in wears the kit number 10. He plays in a couple of different positions. He's obviously somebody to watch for them. He actually played in Korea for a little bit with um, Incheon and then Gangwon, but never really found his footing there. But he was fantastic in Suzuki Cup. Uh, I, I think that he's definitely the one to watch for July in that one. But I, I think that this is one that Sydney should be expecting to win. Um, I, I just don't. I don't think, like we were talking about earlier, depth. And I, I think that Sydney's going to have a little bit more depth. But I, I don't see this being an easy game for them. I, I think maybe one nil, two one, something like that. Well, what kind of
0: support do you think uh, you can expect for for July in this match? What kind of home advantage are they going to have?
2: I think that's going to be really big. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure on what the capacity rules are there, but watching the game uh, on the live stream Saturday—I don't even really remember mm. which day it is. It's tournament coverage <laughs> time, so it's a match day. <laughs> Whenever the match day. <laughs> Tomorrow's a non-match day. Mm. What a day! Um, <laughs> but uh, I think it's going to be huge, and I, I, think I really do think that uh, of all of these teams, they—well, no, JDT's got a really great home advantage as well. But I think those two are the ones that are really, really taking advantage of playing in their home stadium. So I think it's going to be loud. It was loud on Saturday, and uh, I think it'll be loud in this one again.
0: I think all Asian tournaments should be held in Southeast Asia. It's always the best. I'm for like it. Like when they when they had the Asian Cup, um, in was it Vietnam, Vietnam and Thailand or Malaysia? I can't remember. A few years ago, it was awesome. I remember. Like they they, it's always a, a good atmosphere and a good show that, that Southeast Asia tends to put on for these things. So I think it's going to be an interesting match tonight for for Sydney. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if you know after the great result they got playing on the back foot against John Book, they actually struggle against this team.
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean you could see that for sure. And I, I could definitely see, uh, July are going to hit on the counter. Uh, and, and I think that they've definitely got the pace to do that. So it could, it should be more entertaining than the jumbook match anyway.
0: Elsewhere in the tournament, couple of surprising, uh, eyebrow raising results, lion city sailors, three Daegu Neil. I know there was a red card in that game, but that's,
2: that's huge. The massive result. Um, I'm, I'm very torn on this one because I want K-League teams to win every single game in the group stage. Uh, but Lion City Sailors, I think they've shown a lot of ambition. And I really, really like what they've done in Singapore, where they were the first Singaporean team to win the league in several years. Uh, Nagata, obviously, is a Japanese team that plays in the Singapore League. So I like that they went out, they invested and they said, we are going to be the team. Of the Singapore Premier League, and they went out there and they got a massive result. Yes, there was a red card. Dago are playing without Sasino right now. Their talisman, mm-hmm. who it, it, he can change a game. Up, yeah, so. he
0: just scores from he, anywhere.
2: So, like when you lose just, him, it just kind of changes the whole equation, right? Yeah, he does what he wants. It's his world, and we're all living in it. <laughs> uh, he's he's a phenomenal player, and so there is that. Um, and Dago hasn't been in good form in the league, but. When you're talking about a K League one team going against a, a team from Singapore, even a team as dominant as Lion City Sailors can be on their day, this is still a massive result. And and last night, yeah, K League went 0 for three last night to te- to Asian teams. But I I think it's great for this tournament, and and it's really really good at a time where, let's just call it what it is these these Chinese youth teams. It's a joke, mm-hmm. and, and they really they shouldn't be in this tournament in my opinion Uh, last year sure it's understandable uh, very extenuating circumstances but this year you know what's the point of running them out there to get trounced 8-0 against Kawasaki Frontale? and that was Frontale being nice in my opinion They, they held it off at 8 that could have been 15 if they were in the mood but then you go out there and you see JDT beat Ulsan you see BG beating a team okay K2 sure but BG getting wins in this tournament is still really big and Lion City Sailors Again, I love how they've built. I love the roster that they have. They've got Kim Do Hoon, which I think was a really great uh, sign of intent for them to go and get an ACL winning manager to take this tournament seriously. And now they've got three points. I I think it's really great to see. It it just sucks that it was against K-League teams.
0: Well, speaking of that, uh, JDT 2, Ulsan 1 is an absolutely massive upset uh, obviously, mm. the you know the home advantage playing a, a big part, but sure. still, I mean, what did you what did you make of that that game and that performance?
2: Yeah, uh, the battle of the tigers went uh, went the way of the home side there. I, Ulsan, man, they just love Ulsanic. This is just what they do. <laughs> they they look like world beaters. You think oh, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna touch them, and then they go out and they do something like this. I mean, this is a disastrous start. For Ulsan. They should have won that first game, which would have been a massive result against Frontale to go out there and get three points against them in the opening game. But they just lost concentration at the end of the game. Uh, Choyonu, one of the best keepers in Korea, just got it wrong and, and basically gave a goal away. And I, I don't know how much that played into this one. Um, but also, this Ulsan team, they should be able to score more than one goal in this game. So, So credit to JDT here. And, and how well they're playing. And, and I think that, you know, I, I was talking about Daegu and how they're not doing well in the league and Janum, this, that, and the other. But look, these teams all come from very strong leagues. Ulsan they haven't lost this year. JDT is the first team to beat them this year. So th- that's massive. And I, I think all the credit needs to go to JDT, how they played that game and the players out on the pitch. And now hopefully, hopefully after last night, we can see Korean teams specifically and, and a lot of... Asian football fans in general, taking these teams seriously, because I I think it was a massive night and hopefully they can follow it up with a few more wins.
0: Yeah. A bit of a wake up call, I guess for the traditional powers Mm -hmm. to see these Southeast Asian teams doing so well and actually, you know, upstaging them in these big matches. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the Chinese youth sides making a bit of a mockery of the tournament. Um, do you see, you know, that, that they've obviously been trounced by by Japanese teams, left, right, and center. Uh, Kawasaki, you mentioned, taking it easy at 8-0. Are they are they the tournament favorites for you, or is it too early to say?
2: I mean, going into the tournament from the east, certainly yep, you would have east. to let's, say let's, frontale.
0: Let's limit it to the east side. We'll, we'll, we'll count out the west for now, because <laughs> it's impossible to be across all of that. You
2: don't want to cover 40 teams right now. <laughs> Let's do this. I'm here for it. Um, I think frontali were one of the favorites in the East coming into it. I, and I think that they have to remain that way, especially the group that they're in. You, you've got to favor them in that group. I, I don't think they're going to struggle that much in that group, which, which could come back to haunt them in the knockout rounds, but there's so much time between the group stage and the knockout rounds that, that I don't think that they're really going to struggle. Um, Chanathip was one of the many scorers last night so I think that's really nice for him because he's struggled domestically they're playing him on a position uh, from where he used to play with Sapporo so I think it was good for him to get a goal get that confidence going and I I I just I don't see them losing a game in this group and then I don't know who's going to challenge them in the knockout rounds either to be honest I I think they've got to be considered one of the favorites in the east and I would have thrown Ulsan in that group, but they've really got to turn things around. One point through two matches is is pretty disappointing. And and as I said earlier, second place isn't necessarily going to be good enough. Um, But that's where, again, these CSL teams, you know, now Group J's got three teams, so results against fourth place teams don't count. So, you know, what are we doing? And it's a situation where, look at the way that Bordiram played in their playoff match against Daegu convince me that bodiram couldn't have done a better job against kawasaki last night convince me that port who lost 3-0 to ulsan couldn't have done a better job last night mm. you know melbourne victory should be in this tournament that was a great game that they played against vissel kobe and they would they would up this tournament to where it should be instantly if they replace one of these csl sides it's it's something that i hope afc looks at again there's a really weird time we're living in. So it's it's understandable in a lot of ways, but I don't think we can have this for a third year next year. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that's a really good point. Like, there are so many teams who would have loved to be in this competition and sent their strongest side and really, really tried to make their mark. Um, and they've obviously, you know, had those great playoff matches and now we don't get to see them again. And it's it's such a shame when you've got, you know, these uh, shells of of clubs that are basically just fulfilling a fixture and nothing more. I mean, I'm sure it's great for some of these young players to play against quality opposition, but it must be demoralising to be on the end of all these scorelines. So. Anyway, uh, yep. let's uh, let, let's look ahead to tonight's games. Visal Kobe versus Kitchi, which uh, Kitchi had a good win in uh, in their first round, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, big for a, a team from Hong Kong to, to be making an impact on the tournament, but they've always been an ambitious side. We mentioned Sydney FC playing July at the same time, 9pm, and then Yokohama F Marinos versus John Book is the titanic battle. People are willing to stay up till midnight here on the Australian East Coast for that. Uh, but... Uh, Ryan, can we get a prediction for Sydney FC July? And um, I'm going to make you stick your neck out and say who's going to win the Yokohama John Book matches. Or...
2: Oh, I thought we were going to talk about Kitschie for a bit. Oh, yeah, if fine, you want to talk about Kitschie, please be, be my <laughs> guest. No, no, the only thing I was going to say about Kitschie, and, and I will keep it brief, is that you know, Kobe has been terrible domestically. They've been terrible. I think they're the only J1 team without a win so far. Uh, and and Kitschie are taking this seriously. I don't see any reason that Kitschie shouldn't be trying to win this group. Mm. I think they've got the talent. I think they take it seriously. And it's another one that I think would be really good for this tournament to get a non Korean, non Japanese team into the knockout rounds. would be really great. Uh, and, and also, Dayan Damjanovic
0: think- plays for them. And uh, you just want to see that guy. Like, he's, he's box office. He's like uh, Asia Zibrahimovic. <laughs>
2: And Yeah, and he's just extending his goal-scoring streak at this point. The goal-scoring record, I should say. I think he's at 40 right now, 40 in ACL, which is the most. So hopefully he can keep that going. I do think, genuinely, I think that'll be a decent game. And But that's another one. Like we were talking about the groups. If Notre Dame United is in that group, that's another one that could have home fans in there, and it'd be really great. But to your question, I think Sydney is going to get the win tonight. I think it'll be narrow. I think it'll be a one-goal win. Uh, and I heard you guys talking before I came on. I'm hoping someone's talking to the to the commentator because Bahager is on the ball a lot. But this Bahagier, <laughs> yeah. this dude, I'm not a fan of him. It just one phone call to somebody in Australia. Anyway, um, I, I do think Sydney gets the win in that one, and then I I think it's going to continue to be a rough week midweek for uh, K League teams. I, I I don't see Jumbuk getting a win i think yokohama is going to win that one i don't i don't want to say it'll be comfortable but um i think yokohama's just, they're just so so good right now um i think they're going to win that one against john
1: very quickly on bahaja when when we tried to turn usain bolt into a, a footballer here in the in the a-league they had that Trent Bahaja was actually faster than him for the first 10 metres. So that's one claim to fame that he had. Bahagia. There it is. Um, and our Melbourne Victory Connection is the coach of Yokohama F Marinos. So he's an Aussie boy, uh, Kevin Musket. So uh, I think the next couple of games for Sydney FC is against Yokohama. How do you think they will go into the tournament? I know a lot of Victory fans will be actually cheering for them ahead of the Australian team. They're, they're <laughs> sure. one of their fiercest rivals in Sydney FC.
2: Yeah, I mean, what Yokohama's doing is... <laughs> Look, I love the the Aussie coaching connection they've got there. We've all seen what Ange has done moving on from there, and, and I love that they brought in an Aussie coach afterwards. I'd love to see K-League start to do this. And, and I think that's one of the things that makes this tournament so fun is that you can have Australian fans tuning into this. You don't have to like Sydney. You certainly don't have to like Yokohama, but there is an interest in this game. Um, I... Much like we were talking about Frontale, I, I don't really see Yokohama struggling that much in this group. I, 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 I think they'll they'll get four points at least out of the matches against Sydney, I think. Um, if not, then well done, Sydney. Mm. But I, I think it's one where they're a little bit younger, and I think they'll be able to handle that many matches in that many days, especially when they're facing each other after a couple of match days right in the middle of this when legs are going to be starting to get kind of tired so I do think that Yokohama's going to have the edge. I think Yokohama's got the edge on everybody in
0: this group, though. Well, I'll run this one past you uh, before we let you go, Ryan. Uh, Kevin Muscat has made a career, in in terms of his coaching at least, of building on what Ange Postacoglu has teed up for him. He took over at Melbourne Victory. They won the treble. They <laughs> won everything. They were Melbourne Victory's greatest ever side in 2015. Just after, you know, he's coming in, he's building on what Ange has done, and he's gone slightly more direct, slightly, slightly more, uh, I guess... Uh, what's the word he he's he's gone a little bit more textbook with with his setup he's not as experimental as Ange he's gone a little bit more cookie cutter but they've got the basis of playing out from the back and everything so you know it just he just makes it a little bit more simple and Mm. you know coming into Yokohama of course Ange won the J League as we all know uh, but couldn't get it done in Asia Kevin Musket taking over Yokohama Asian champions I'm calling it now
2: oh all right that's my
0: tip that's my big tip
2: Yokohama's my Japanese team. They were the first J-League side I saw in person, so I'm all for it. I'll even bust out my kit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Ryan Walters, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, give your stuff a quick plug. Where can people hear and uh, and read your stuff?
2: Sure, all over the place. Uh, K-League.com, the official K-League Twitter, at K-League, and also K-League United. We're at K-League United on all social medias and occasionally on FNR as well, so folks can hear us there.
0: Ryan, thank you so much, mate. Cheers, guys. Ryan Walters joining us live from Bangkok and uh, just about bringing today's show to an end. Uh, what do you make of this uh, uh, this Asian Champions League tournament? We've got so many weird subplots and storylines going on with you know, Chinese teams not taking it seriously and sending the kids. It's a bit like Perth Glory at the moment. It uh, is. I,
1: I, look, we need to embrace it. We keep saying we need to embrace it. The the, times, um, the, the highlights are there on Paramount. But two of, of the two of the bigger Aussie clubs are in there at the moment. Um, they've got a good chance of, uh, or Melbourne City got a good chance of moving out of the group. Sydney FC, if they get the job done tonight, will get some more points. So they are also being a I, good chance. So. I
0: honestly think Vissel Kobe versus Kitchi is going to be a better game mm-hmm. than Sydney FC versus July. Although the atmosphere is going to be better in the July game because they're playing this tournament in a hub in Malaysia, Vietnam, and Thailand. Yep. So you have home crowds for a few of these teams. Um, uh, again, I think, You know, the Vietnamese side will set up quite defensively and Mm -hmm. Sydney will struggle to break them down. And although they got, you know, that creditable draw draw against John Book, I'm actually predicting a draw tonight as well. You know, they're going to, you know, win nil-nil
1: against John Book and lose nil-nil against July, if you will. Well, let's just let's just hope they get it right with the bench. They're the right age of the players, <laughs> yeah. the right number of foreigners. All the rest I of the don't rules. Think, I the don't think the rules AFC
0: is going to be as charitable as the A League was. No, no, They'll tick, they'll tick the <laughs> right g- boxes. They're going to throw the book at them if they get it wrong. Let's
1: let's hope they get the points. So let's we want we want the Aussie teams to do well. So let's cheer for Sydney FC.
0: Uh, next up for Melbourne City is Johnham Dragons, the K two side playing uh, in the Champions League after their giant killing run in uh, in the Korean Cup. Uh, which is a bit like the time Wigan won the FA Cup and got relegated and then That's had to play in the thing, Europa yes. League the next season and almost went bankrupt. So uh, shout out to, to Wigan fan Nick DiBano if he's listening. But uh, yeah, been good fun today, Jason. Uh, any further thoughts from you before we go? We didn't talk about the Matildas, of course.
1: No, not, um, but they did what we, th- we said they needed to mm. do last week. We said they want to get goals early and then just rotate the bench in a friendly, which they did. They made five subs in one in one hit. So yeah. that worked out well for, for what we want for the, for the national team there. Um, plenty of football. Plenty of football coming up again. There's games nearly every day as we still limp towards the end of the season.
0: <laughs> yeah, limping is right, but uh, you know, hey, we've we're doing well down here in Melbourne. We got you. Got to say the uh, the Victorian teams have held up their end of the bargain when you look at the A League table.
1: Well, let's say, I, I was calling a Victory City Grand Final last last week, and maybe it's a City-United one at the moment, with Victory stumbling a little bit with a draw against Brisbane Raw yeah. last week. So, so, you know,
0: Victory's funny, though, because they play better against better teams. They do. Because they they're, they're a reactive side.
1: So. They, they pinched it last minute with D'Agostino against Newcastle as well. Oh, so. uh, Marjota. Uh, mm. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, D'Agostino scored early first, yes. and then Marjota was That's there.
0: That's the, the striker job share that they've yes. got going on at, at Victory. It's hard to keep track of. And it was a header as well. When, did, when does Marjota ever scored a header? But uh, apparently, apparently he's got that in his A win locker. is a win. I'll take it. And Conor playing full 90 for the first time this year, maybe. Um, it's been a long time since we've seen play 90 minutes. So, victory. I, I, I think victory are chugging along nicely. I'm not. I'm not too worried about them, to be honest. I, I think once they get into finals football, you're actually going to see the best of victory. As long mm. as they've got everybody fit and available.
1: Well, a full house at Amy Park if those top three teams turn out to be Mm. the two grand finalists would be a a nice way to finish the season, especially for us down here. All
0: right, that's all from us. If you missed any of our interview with Kayla United's Ryan Walters, you can go check it out on the podcast platforms very shortly. Uh, We'll be back with The Green Room tomorrow night, and I think we've got the EPL show coming back as well. No radio dub this week. We're aiming to bring it back next time. Uh, Pakura will be back with a big interview guest. Hopefully, uh, we, we'll be talking to Jeff Hopkins about not only Victory's title-winning season, but also women's football as a whole. So, uh, hoping, hoping to get Jeff on in the coming weeks. But uh, stick, stay tuned for that. And uh, from us, it's goodbye for now. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow!
1: again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick from the